exciting to have uh, that. It's hard to get, it's shocking as it is, hard to get men out to do things sometimes. So uh, to do that, it was really exciting for us. And, and uh, I put it on my Facebook post, but all joking aside, I really appreciate the women kind of getting behind us and encouraging their their husbands to go. And also, um, we had a lot of people showing up from people's from work. Hey, they, I was invited by one of these people at work, and, and that was exciting too. So it's cool, really, really cool. Um, a lot of traditions starting here at Grace Chapel are continuing, and it's always good to have those um, traditions in a church. We are bonded together. So let me let me talk about uh, let me talk about something else now. It's um, it's the Christmas season, and there is a lot of talk, okay, about peace and joy at this time of year. A lot of talk about peace, a lot of talk about joy, and you sing about it, right? We sing about it, we we talk about it, we hear about it, we think about it. But the question I have is, what is it? And a more important question, how do I get it? Okay, because we can, you know, we sing, you know, peace, you know, all, all these different songs and joy to the world. But what, what, is, what is it? What is peace from a biblical perspective? And then how do we get peace? How do we receive that peace from God? See, having peace in our hearts, in our minds is something that I think that everyone longs for. I don't care if you've never been to church before in your entire life. If you're, if you're an atheist, I think atheists long for peace. They want that in their lives. People in general, they long for it, but very few people ever achieve it, ever truly have peace in their lives. Because we, we, all, we all want to stop worrying, right? We don't, we don't want to worry. We want, we want to put our minds at rest, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We just want to be able to, to relax and feel free and, and enjoy our lives and enjoy our families and enjoy our, our friendships and enjoy whether it's school or it's, or it's, or it's a church or at, at, your, at your job or, or whatever it is. Whatever it is, we want to just be able to have peace and enjoy those things in our lives. Not just like, you know, this, this nebulous idea of, you know, peace on earth kind of thing. You know, you know I, it, we, we say those, we, we throw things out like that and, and then people think, well, that's never going to be. No, there's never going to be peace on earth and there is going to be. But, um, but we just throw those things out. And so people in general just think, ah, you know, it's one of, those, one of those words that we use at Christmas that could never really truly be achieved. And so people are, are longing for it, but most people never really achieve it. We want to be able to enjoy our lives without, without, the, without, the, without being burdened down with the worries that rob us of our, think about this, that rob us of our time and rob us of our energy. How much time and energy do you waste, you personally, do you waste every single day of your life? How much time and energy do you waste worrying and being anxious and being fearful, right? Having stress. How much time and energy do we waste? And when we can't find peace, because it's something, again, as human beings that we long for, we know we are destined, if you will, for those of us who knew Christ, especially we are, we are destined to be in a place where it's going to be total joy and peace and contentment, all those things, but when we don't have it, when people don't have it, they can become extremely discouraged, even depressed. 
That's why at Christmas time you think, oh, people are so jolly and holly and everybody's just smiling and everything else. And, and they're, 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 honestly, they're going around. They don't want the Christmas season to end because they're hoping that at some point they're going to feel this, this peace in their hearts. And when they, don't, when they don't have it, especially after Christmas and didn't work out the way they thought it would, all of a sudden there's this discouragement and even depression in their lives. So if we truly want peace, not just in the Christmas season, but all year long, if we truly want that peace, the only place to start, the only place to start is with God. So I want to read you something. It's from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. You have your Bibles, you can open it up. If not, it'll be up on the screen. But Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In these verses, Paul lays out some principles that will help us find true, lasting peace. Wouldn't that be amazing to actually come to church on a Sunday morning and you're talking about peace and you think, yeah, they talk about peace, they talk about love, they talk about hope, they talk about joy, all those things. But actually walking out of here going, wait a second, I've got some tools now that will help me achieve a life of peace, not just around Christmas, but all year long. Can be done. It can be done. So he lays out some principles. So the first one here is we find true peace and we don't have to worry about anything. How's that? We find true peace, and you're like, yeah, duh. We find true peace when we don't have to worry about anything. See, worrying means that we're not trusting God. When we worry, when we're anxious and we're stressed out a lot of the time, not all the time, I'm not going to make a blanket statement that says if you're ever anxious or you're ever worried or you're ever stressed that you don't trust God. That's, I don't think that's true. There are circumstances in our lives where human beings, where, where we react to certain st- stimulus or, or situations and we get that way. It's how you handle it later on. But, it, you know, worrying for the, in general is saying that we are not trusting God. If we're every day worrying about something or the same thing and over and over, then we're not trusting God. God says in verse six, do not be anxious about anything. Don't you love that? I love that anything and everything's in the Bible because it's like, wow, I can actually achieve that. Don't be anxious about anything. That means basically don't worry. He's talking about worry there because the word anxious in the Greek in this context basically means to care, the, 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 the troubles of this world, dealing with or, or thinking about or being overwhelmed by the troubles of this world, the cares of this world. You're troubled by the cares of this world, all the things that are going on around you. And who here is not troubled by by all the things that are going on around us sometimes, by the cares of this world? It doesn't matter if you're in school. It doesn't matter if you're in elementary school or you're in junior high. You've got things going on in your life that that trouble you, things that go on that, that maybe stress you out a little bit. And so he says, don't be anxious about anything. And, and you think to yourself right now, maybe some of you are thinking, you've got to be kidding. That is so easy to stand up in the pulpit and say, so easy to stand up on stage and say, and so hard to do. And I, wait, I agree. I agree. But I want to share with something, something with you, a principle in the Bible that I've learned over the years that is so cool, that is so awesome, that is so amazing and so true. This is so true. OK, there, this is a great thing. 
Here it is. God is not going to ask you to do something that he's not going to give you the power to accomplish, that he's not going to give you the power to accomplish. Again, God is not going to ask you or I to do something, not going to ask us to do something that he's not going to give us the ability or the power to do. God doesn't throw things out knowing there's no way that any of us can achieve it. Let me give you a couple examples. John chapter 6 and verse 14 okay, goes on. Remember, that, remember Jesus is, is talking to the multitudes and there's 5,000 there and the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey Jesus, you've got to send these people away. You know, you, you know, you're going a little long, you know what I'm saying? It's like 12.01. And so, you know, you gotta, you, you know it, it's, it's getting a little long. It's getting late. We should send them home because they have to find something to eat. They're all hungry and they have to go get something to eat. So we should send them away. And Jesus says to them, hey, you feed them. Do you think he's just being sarcastic or throwing something out just ridiculous or, you know, like, you know, you just you go feed him. Be quiet. I'm still talking. You know what I mean? No, he's not doing that. He's saying you feed him. And so the disciples are like scratching their heads. But then Andrew does something very interesting. Andrew realizes that Jesus Christ is not going to ask him to do something that he's not going to give him the ability, the power to actually do. The ability to do. So what does Andrew do? Andrew goes and he finds a little boy with the fish and the loaves. He brings them to Jesus. Why would he do that? It's a basket of loaves and fish. It's kind of going to feed 5,000 or more people. It's ridiculous. But it's not ridiculous. Because Andrew realized something. He realized that Jesus is not going to ask him to do something. He's not going to give him the power to do. Or the ability to do. So Andrew brings him over. hands. I don't think Andrew knew exactly what was going to happen at all. He just brings him over and goes, well, you know, I'm going to be obedient. I'm just going to obey. Brings the little kid over. Jesus does his thing. Through the faith of Andrew, Jesus, Jesus does a miracle. And they feed and they have leftover food, right? And then you remember in, in uh, the, the man with the withered hand in Mark chapter 3 and verse 5. And Jesus says to this guy, he, you know, he's got a withered hand. And Jesus says to him, stretch out your hand. You're not, you're not paying attention, Jesus. The guy can't stretch out his hand. So he says, stretch out your hand. How can he stretch out his hand if his hand is withered? How can he stretch out? He can't stretch out his hand, but he's obedient. And then he does it. Why? Because Jesus does a miracle in his obedience. Jesus responds to the man's faith and does a miracle. But as a, there's a step of faith. There's a step of faith that Andrew bringing that little boy with the loaves and fish, fish the, the man with the withered hand. He does what he is. Jesus did not ask him to do something that was impossible. Jesus is asking us to do things that are possible through his power. God is not going to ask you to do something that he's not going to give you the ability to actually do. If he says to feed the 5,000, he's going to give you the power to feed the 5,000. If he says stretch out your hand, he's going to give you the power to stretch out your hand. And if he says don't be anxious about anything, then he's going to give us the power to do it. He's going to give us the power to do it. We have to step out in faith. We need to believe. We need to trust him. We need to be obedient to him. Don't be anxious about anything. See, here's, the, here's, the, here's, the, here's how God, in one of the ways, God releases that power to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And it is through the Holy Spirit of God that we have the power to live by faith and not to worry. See, when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, the Holy Spirit filled you. 
And it's through the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God. It wasn't, it wasn't Andrew that fed the 5,000. It wasn't the man himself who was able, hey, watch this, bam, you know. He, no, it was through the power of God. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are given the ability not to worry. The Holy Spirit moves in our lives. The Spirit gives you the power to trust the Lord's will. And as much as you say, that's just not, you don't understand. You just don't get it. I, I have this, this, I have this, I don't know what it is, personality where I'm constantly worrying. I'm anxious all the time. I'm always stressed out. But through the Holy Spirit of God, God, and it may, I'm not saying he's going to, you're going to snap your fingers and it's going to stop. I'm saying if you consistently go back to the Lord and trust in the Lord over a period of time, maybe it'll stop right away. But over a period of time, the Holy Spirit's going to work through you and change that part of your life. In John chapter 14 and verse 1, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus is talking there. And then the Spirit. See, the Spirit helps us. This is, this is something else I find just awesome. The Spirit helps us to be obedient to God um, even when we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow when we don't have our life all figured out, when we haven't figured out the future yet. The Holy Spirit of God allows us to, to have that trust, to have that faith in God, even if we don't know what's going to happen in our lives. Because, and you, I know I'm not wrong here, so many, of, so many of us worry about the what ifs. We're like a culture of what ifs. What if this and what if that and what what what, what if and I know, but, if, you know, God, but what if then? Well, what if that? Well, what if this and... Let me explain something. We have a God. We have a God who overcomes the what ifs. We have a God who's in control of the what ifs. Regardless, what if? What if then God's going to respond in that situation? But what if God? God is in control of all the situations. He can turn, he can bring beauty out of the ashes. He can turn the worst of circumstances, the best of circumstances. He can get you out of the circumstances. He can give you the power to get through the circumstances. What if, what if, what if? We can do that all day long. But the reality is that we have a God who is in control of the what ifs. But we ruin our lives. We're always stressing out. We're always worried. We're always anxious because of the what ifs. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all, again, oh, I love that. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Cast all of your anxiety on him. Let it, you know, just, just put it at his feet. Cast it on him. I remember when I was 18 years old, I moved to Virginia. Just giving my life to Christ, I moved to Virginia. I had this plan worked out before I was a Christian. I was going to go there and I was going to do this and that. And I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, that was my plan. And I became a Christian. I went down there, spent some time with my dad. And, and I really didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. And I just, again, I had just given my life to Christ and I was really young in my faith. And so in, in my, my youth, and my, it, it, I started to worry a little bit, but well, how God's, how's God going to do this in my life? Now I'm here, I'm not even home in, in New York where, where I'm really comfortable around my people. And, and so how's God going to work this? And how am I going to do that? And how am I going to get back over here? And how do I get, if I want to go to college, what do I do? I was worried. And there was a verse that really helped me as a baby Christian. And it's so powerful. I can't, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read parts of it. It's Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 25, verse 27, and 31 through 34. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Now imagine being a baby Christian and coming across this. Because everything you're reading, you're coming across. It's all new to you. What you eat or drink or about your body, what you're going to wear is life 
Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Verse 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Certainly doesn't make your life better, does it? It doesn't make it more peaceful, more joyful, more con- you're not content. So who, who, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? He says in verse 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I don't care. Now I'm, I've been a Christian for years and years and years, and I, I still love that verse. And I keep, I, I've you know, memorized it, and I, I bring it back into the forefront of my mind if I start to worry about certain things. See, God doesn't want us to worry because what we're saying when we worry is that we're not taking him at his word. God's saying, don't worry about tomorrow. I got tomorrow covered, okay? Regardless of what happens anyway, to be honest with you, if people are afraid of dying, people are afraid of all these things, that, that's not really a concern of mine. And if I'm not afraid to die, I'm, and I'm really not, if I'm not afraid to die, then what can the world do to me? I mean, what, what can really happen to me? And I understand the, the nuances of relationships and the nuances of all these things, but at the end of the day, when, we, when, when God says, trust me, we need to trust him. Because if we don't trust him, we, when we start to worry and worry and we're anxious and, we, and we're stressed out and everything, we're not taking God at his word. We need to remember that, that God has already provided for all of these things. God has already provided for, for, for all of these things. Basically, what I want you to do is I want you to think about the cross. Think about the cross. God's provided the most important necessities in our lives, our salvation. We, we, we give our lives to Christ. We are no longer separated from God. What can, what can man do to me? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. We have our salvation. We're going to spend eternity with him. Not only that, while I walk this earth, I know who I am. I know my, I understand my identity. If I'm, if I'm walking closely with Christ, he'll help me understand who I am and give me a purpose for my life. I understand the meaning of life. I understand all of those things because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. So God has already taken care of so many of the things that, that should really should cause us to worry, if you will. God says, I've covered those things, your salvation, your purpose, and, and your power to overcome. God has already provided for us. As much as you want to worry and you're anxious about things, God has already provided us, for us the power to overcome through his Holy Spirit, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have the power to overcome. So I just want to stop for a moment. And share some personal observations, okay, um, that I have gleaned over the years when it comes to when it comes to worry and stress. Because I, people say, well, the only reason people stress and worry is because they don't trust God. I, I don't, I don't agree with that totally. I've observed some other things in our culture and other cultures that have got me to the point where I say it's not, it's not just. A lack of trust is something else that goes on in our lives that and maybe it all boils down to a lack of trust. But let me just share what with you what I'm thinking. I've, as I've traveled to different parts of the world and served as a pastor for over 30 some odd years now, I've, I've made some observations when it comes to worrying. And I, I, for a better use, I'm going to call it progressive worrying. And here's how it here's how it goes. 
I'm in, I'm in another country, in a, in a developing country, and um, if you're in a developing country and you have no food, you're worried, you're anxious about the fact that you're going to starve, okay, that you, you can't meet your needs. So you worry about that, and then when that need is met, your worry doesn't end, it just progresses. It goes on to, oh, I, I, need, a jo- I need this job. That's fine, you need a job, and you worry about that, and when you get that, it doesn't end, it just progresses, I wish I had or could, I mean, boy, if I only could or, you know, and so it progresses. So even depending, doesn't matter where you live in the world, whatever, whenever God meets a particular need and then you have another one, God meets that need and you start worrying about something else and God meets that and it just progresses. It's, it's, it's never ending. Now jump to the United States. I have all the food I want, okay? I drink clean water every single day in my life. I have a roof over my head. I'm educated. I have all these things going on. And, and, but you know what happens? I just, I just as, a, as an American, I jump to a new level. I create a new level of worry and anxiety and stress in my life. Why, why is my neighbor mowing so close to my roses? Does he have to mow every time? Every every summer, oh, I hate summer because every summer my mow I, and, I and I have to go talk to him. What if I have to go talk to him about it? He's getting really close. I love those roses. He's throwing rocks against the roses. I'm trying to go out there and enjoy them, and I can't enjoy my roses because my neighbor mows so close to my roses. Or my husband, my wife would just if they would just if they could just stop, or if they would, you know, uh, or or you know, I, I boy, what if I what if I don't have enough money to get a new iPad or the new iPhone or the new i whatever it is. I need it. I'm stressed about not having it. If you're a woman, what am I going to do to try to win the competition next year? (laughs) Don't worry about that. You're not going to. Okay, just rest at ease. The trophy will stay snug, snug in the men's men's hands. You know, we worry about all these other things. We go to a new level of worrying, right? Whatever it is, if, if I gave you all the money in the world, I guarantee you, you'd worry about something else. What if someone tries to take my money? What if someone else gets more money than I do? What if, what if, what if, right? Right? Isn't that what happens? We create this, this kind of what if scenario around our lives. It seems no matter what God provides or how many needs that he meets, we create new reasons to worry. We create in our own lives new reasons to worry about it. Like I said, if we have money, if we have money, we need more money. It never seems to be enough. It never seems to be right. It never seems to just, it's not quite right. It's just not quite enough. We, we, here's the thing. We need to realize, I need to realize and you need to realize, we as a, we as a, a humanity need to realize that a lot of our stress and our anxiety and our worry come from the fact that we're not content and we're not thankful. I raise my hand. I'm not, I'm not preaching at, just at you. We're not content. We get something, we want more. We get something, we're not thankful. How many times do you sit around a Christmas tree and there's so many presents you can't even move? When they're all done, what do people say? Is that it? Right? How many times have you heard that at Christmas? Is that it? Right? It's amazing. Absolutely Amazing. So sometimes, we're, sometimes, sometimes, not blanket and say we're never content, we're never thankful. But part of the reason that we have these go, going on in our lives is that we're not content, we're not thankful, and therefore we create, we create anxiety and worry in our lives. Okay, number two. We find true peace 
and lasting peace by praying about everything. I love this. Praying about everything, verse 6 says, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God care. listen, and because people say this too, well, I don't want to pray about that because God doesn't care about, this guy over here has cancer, that person's starving, whatever else, God doesn't care. God cares about every situation in your life. Here's the thing, you're limiting your God when you say, well, he's, I don't want to pray about that, he's not going to be bothered with, he cares about everything. He can handle it. He can handle it in your life. It's like see your child, like, you know, oh, I don't want you to come to me with that little, that concern about how you're feeling at school because your brother has really got to, he broke his leg, so I don't, you know what I mean? God's not thinking that. Mom, I got a scratch, you know, I said, oh, oh, okay, I'll take care of your, he cares about the scratches. Moms care about scratches. Dads care about scratches too. He cares about every detail of our lives, every situation that we might face. He cares. He cares about your struggles at work. He cares. He cares about that relationship problem, the struggle you're having with your husband or your wife or in the relationship you're in right now. He cares about those things. He cares about that person who's... He cares about your, that fact that you're being picked on in school. He cares. He cares a lot about how you're feeling, what, the stress you're under because someone's bothering you, someone's picking on you. God cares about those things. He says, bring those things to me. He cares about who you date. He really does. He cares a lot about who you date because he cares a lot about your relationships. So he, he, there's, there's, there's concern there. There's caring going on. He cares about your physical condition, how you're feeling. You know, something goes on and, you know, you're, you're, something's hurting or whatever else. God, God cares about what's, what's happening with your arthritis. He cares about what's happening with your headaches. He cares about your, 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 your physical, your injuries. He cares about your emotional state. He cares about all of those. He cares about all of those things. He cares about where you spend your time and who you spend your time with. God cares. The big things, the, the big and the little situation, God cares about them all. See, the peace that God gives you will guard your mind. This peace that he will give you. He cares about them all and he wants to give you peace and he's saying i want you to bring all these things to me in prayer i want you to come to me in prayer and i don't think we understand how significant that is that the god of the universe saying come to me and i will give you that peace of mind the 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 the, the peace that god gives you will strengthen your heart as you're able to just relax and say no god i know you have this still a little bit little bit concerned and i want to make sure i'm prepared but you know what you you have this and he strengthens your heart because of what christ did on the cross for you listen to me this is this is theology but it's really it's so it's so so much truth because of what jesus christ did on the cross you have access to the throne of god what that means is before they didn't have before jesus christ died on the cross they didn't have access to the throne of god that's why you had priests, right? And the priests would come in. That's where scapegoats come from. They take a goat. They sprinkle the blood on the back of the goat. And all the sins of the people are, you know, put on the back of them. They chase them out of town. Scapegoat. They put all the sins of the goat. And there he goes. Or they, what they used to do is they tie a bell to the, to the ankle of the priest. And the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, right? You go into the Holy of Holies. And what they, they tied a bell to his leg. is so he went into the Holy of Holies. He's like, jingle, 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 thud. They tied a bell and a rope to his leg. You know why the rope was there? No one's going in to get him. 
Okay? You just don't walk. Hey, he died. Let me go into the Holy of Holies and just pull you right out of there. You know, it's not happening. You, you don't have access because of the sin. Now that Christ came into the world, his blood covers us. We have access to the very throne of God, which means all this deep and powerful, incredible stuff I'm talking about, which means I, Jeff Greer, can come in and have a conversation with God about my problems. Man, my wrist really hurts. I'm going to pray about my wrist or... Gosh, this is really concerning me. This happened. God, can we talk about this? And it's like talking to your dad. It's like talking, it's talking to your father. You have access to the very throne of God and you can bring all your problems to him. That's, this is, which is why in the ver- this next verse it says, with thanksgiving. It says, with thanksgiving. We can come into the very presence of God. Here's the thing. Think about this. You and I can come into the very presence of God and it's in the presence of God where we find peace, Right? When I'm gone from this place, do you think I'm going to be worrying about it? Do you think I'm going to be in heaven going, wringing my hands, worrying about what's going on? What's going to happen tomorrow? I'm going to worship God tomorrow, right? I'm not going to be wringing my hands. When you enter into the presence of God, in the presence of God, there is peace. And what I'm saying to you is that we have access to God the Father, into the throne room of God. We can come into the presence of God and we can bring all requests to him. He says, he says but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Thank you that it can come into your presence and tell you, oh, I'm just word vomit all over the place here, Lord, because I'm really having a difficult time. Thank you that I'm able to do that. We can come into the very throne room of God and that's where peace is found. Romans 15, 13 says this, may the God of, of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 16 and verse 11, it says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. If we want real lasting peace, we find that when we spend time in the presence of God and we find that when we go to him in prayer. We need to not worry about these things. We need to pray about these things. Prayer in your life is transformational. It's transformational. You go from stress to rest. You go from fear to faith. You go from worry to worship. It's transformational in the presence of God. Things that you used to worry about, you don't worry about anymore. Things that you were afraid of, they're not afraid because now it's faith that fills your life. Man, I'll tell you something. It is hard. It is so hard, so hard to avoid all the stressful situations that we find in our lives. So as I close, I want to give you some just practical advice Some quick practical advice, okay, that you can use to help avoid worry and stress in your life. Because God's telling telling us, bring all of these things to me. But what happens as well is we start to create them. So let me give you a few thoughts, okay? Jesus, when he was stressed out, or not stressed out, when he was overwhelmed, okay, he was with people all the time. It was constant, constant, constant. And what he would do is say, hey, guys, listen, we're going to go off. He would change his environment, So what you do is you need to start by changing your environment. Some of you need to change your environment. Jesus changed his location. He changed his environment. You need to control your environment. So listen, if watching the news causes you to stress out, stop watching. Honestly. Up, six o'clock, boom. Up, O'Reilly, boom. Up, this and boom. I'm going to watch this and watch that. You can watch, keep up. You can keep up. But stop watching all these people talk about 
what's, you know, I stopped watching the news a lot after the last election. I found out they were completely wrong. I didn't know what the heck they were talking about at all. Even the last one, I mean, the presidential election before this, I watched it for like a year straight and listened to all these people pontificate about everything. They're all these experts. They don't know anything. They're guessing. And so they stress you out by guessing. Because they have to fill time. Because news is on 24 hours a day and there's 68 channels of news that everybody's saying everything about everything. Stop watching it. Second, learn to say no. I have someone in my life who's a really close person with me, a relative. I've, I've nicknamed them Shirley. Because every time someone asks them to do something, they say, Shirley, sure, Shirley. So I named him Shirley. You're Shirley. You need to figure out what your limit is or what you can handle and then you need to learn to say no. Let me give you some quick thoughts on this one too. Say no to some of the traditions that you've started or you've had in your family since 1823. Okay? Because maybe you don't want to bake that much and maybe you don't want to do whatever. It's stressing you out completely. It's all the, oh, it's, oh, are we going to do that this year? No one really cares after a while, but you're doing it. I say we start a new tradition. The tradition of not stressing out around Christmas. That's my new tradition. Right? I have a new tradition. I'm not going to stress out because grandma, whoever, made this same exact thing and it takes like 96 hours. Okay? She had 96 hours. We don't. Okay? She did the laundry for two and a half days too. Okay? You're not doing that. It's not a tradition. Cut some out. Cut back on your holiday activities and events. Go to some, not all. By the time you guys get to Christmas, you're like open your presents. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, unless it's a pillow, I could care less, you know? We've got to cut back on some of these things. Another one, avoid topics that set you off. You know what? If, if someone's talking about, if, if politics sets you off, gets you all worked up, then, then don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Stop bringing it up. And if you're not bringing it up and someone else is bringing it up, then excuse yourself from the conversation if you don't want to be a part of the conversation. They'll get the hint. Don't talk about Obamacare or immigration around the Christmas table this year, Okay? And if Uncle whoever starts bringing it up, say, excuse me. And then he's bringing it up again, say, excuse me. After a while, I just go, well, gee, I don't want to talk about that, okay? I'll talk about it like next week or something. I don't want to talk about it right now. Don't talk about it at all if it stresses you out. People all the time ask me, they'll ask me, what if, what if, what if? Pastor Jeff, what if this and what if that? What if the economy collapses? What if, let me give you some, just a quick thought. This is what I tell people. What if the economy collapses? What if the, what if the whole world starts to... I was never promised to live in the United States of America under this constitution, okay? I was never promised that by God. Whatever changes, here's what's not going to change. If we go under martial law in a week, right, and the economy collapses, you know what I'm going to do the next day? Because I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know what I've been called to do. I know I belong to God. I know exactly what I'm called to do for the rest of my life. I know who I am as a person. I have been adopted. I have redeemed. I have been sealed. Okay? When I am, I am here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am here to further the kingdom of God in any way possible. The whole world collapses. Jeff Greer is doing the next day. Getting up out of bed and doing the exact same thing he did the day before. And then what's going to happen? They say, what if they arrest you? I'm going to get up out of bed. I'm going to get, you know what I'm saying? And the dude who's, if I, they arrest me, they put me in prison. Now the person next to me, hopefully I'll be like Paul, right? Follow my example. So I follow the example of Christ. I'll drive the guy crazy. It's like, oh, can you move this dude? All he talks about is Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? Imagine being chained to Paul. <laughs> Holy moly. You came to Christ or you went mad, one or the other. That's, that's the only thing there. 
Okay, so the other thing is avoid people who stress you out. Don't look at your husband. Avoid people, <laughs> avoid people who stress you out. If, someone is con- if you're constantly fighting with someone over so- or, or arguing over the same topic over and over again, again, don't bring it up. And if they keep bringing it up, and here's the thing. If the person keeps stressing you out, then limit your time with that person. Okay, if you cannot turn the relationship around, if you're in a relationship with someone and you can't turn this relationship around, then you need to limit your time with this person. I'm not talking about husbands and wives. Okay, you got to spend time together and build through your relationship. But there are other relationships in our lives that we don't need to be committed to. And so you limit your time with that person. If you can't turn the relationship around, then you may, you may, I'm not advocating doing this. You may need to cut that relationship off. Because you can't allow that to continue in your life. And then the last thing I have is cut back on your, on your list. In general, study your schedule. Study your schedule. And if you've got too much on your plate, cut it out. And it's going to take some of you over a year to do this. I'm not kidding. But do it. You're too committed. You have too many, you're on too many of this or too many of that. You're on too many boards. You're on too many, whatever the case may be, involved in too many organizations, coaching too many teams. Cut back on some of these things. It may take you a while to get out of it, but get yourself out of it. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, it, it, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. We need to redirect our thinking. We need to redirect our thinking. You need to fill your mind with spiritual truth. Not positive thinking, godly thinking. See, our thoughts are powerful. Our thoughts are powerful. Either they're going to control you or you're going to control them. That's your choices. You start controlling your thoughts. All the things, I, most of the things I shared with you, just, just shared with you, most of those things are talking about you taking your life back and allowing God to bring peace into your life. You have to change some of your habits. Some, if you need to say no, say no. If you need to confront someone in those relationships that are causing you stress, then you need to confront them. You need to change some of the things you would normally do and do those things. Here's the, here's the deal. You need to take ownership of your life and stop allowing other people in your life to cause stress and anxiety and worry in your life. And you need to take control of your own life and stop bringing that into your life by your negative thought pattern, by those thoughts that are not Christ-like. Paul just said it, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. Think about such things. Think about holy things. Think about godly things. Think about have God thoughts. Don't allow those other things to consume you and ruin your life. Allow God to teach you contentment. Allow God to teach you contentment. Remember, the, remember your core and primary identity. I have been adopted. I have been redeemed. I have been sealed. I belong to God. And honestly, take, take some advice from Frozen. Let it go. In some cases, let it go. Stop creating new reasons to worry. You and I need to stop creating new reasons to worry. Paul says, whatever I have learned or received or heard, you have heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. At the end of the day, here's the, here's the real question. Do you trust me? God asking us. Do we trust God? Whenever, here's, here's your homework. Whenever you start to worry and get anxious and get overwhelmed and get stressed, ask yourself that question. Do I trust God? Do I trust God with this? Am I creating this in my, in my own mind? Am I, but am I, do I trust God? Whatever you worry, ask God if you trust him. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. This is so awesome. He says, come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity we have just to, to come before you, but come before your throne and lay everything at your feet. I pray, dear God, that not only this Christmas season, but all year long, this sermon will be a part of our lives. And we will ask the question when we begin to worry, do I trust my God? And may the answer be yes. And may you change our lives and give us peace all year long. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.